Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith, and yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free bereaved parent retreats we offer by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 121, which is a continuation of my conversation with Becky Carpenter, the founder and president of One Day Closer Ministries. Today, we'll be sharing a very practical discussion of issues faced by parents who have experienced the loss of a child and hear a little more about the ministry she has founded. If you missed last week's episode, you'll want to go back and listen to hear the story of her daughter, Skylar, who went to heaven in 2011. I know you'll be encouraged by what she had to share. For now, we'll pick up right where we left off last week. You know, also like me, you had one surviving daughter, Shelby, that you now had to parent through the loss of her older sister. How did you manage that? Shelby is a very uh, strong young woman, and she's always been really strong in her faith. And how did I parent Shelby? That's a great question because I think I didn't have as much hands-on looking back as I should have. Because, you know, when it, when it's a tragedy that is one minute she's here and the next minute she's not because it was a car accident. Yeah. Um, your feet are knocked out from under you and the oxygen in your lungs is knocked out of you as well. And so Shelby, um, she like I said, she had just gone off to college. So she had to come back um, when I called her with the news. And she's just, she took everything and ran with it herself initially. She was the one that planned the funeral. You know, she went with us and she made the decisions when dad and I were looking at each other and Shelby was just, I mean, she has a very, very strong, very uh, organized personality. And she's like, we're going to do this and these are the songs we're going to play and it's going to be in this order. And Mm -hmm. in even the day of the funeral, the outpouring of the community, we had over a thousand people attend and then some couldn't fit inside the church. So they were having to stand outside. So my memory looking back was Shelby was the one working with the church people and the funeral home people and making sure that, okay, all the kids that were dressed in their FFA attire, they're going to be up in the choir loft and we're going to make room over here. And so Mm. I think because Uh of her personality, I didn't parent her as much as I should have, but I also know I became very, very overprotective of her. I was always texting her and calling Mm -hmm. her when she had gone back down to College Station. And I don't know exactly how she felt about that. I probably wore her down a little bit. But um, it's it's difficult to continue to parent when you have a hole in your heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I I think the first time I kind of encountered you online was because I ran across a post that Shelby had written 
about Skylar. And it just really, really touched me. And I shared it with my daughter. And it was after that, that I began to follow you in a little bit of your story. So, you know, Shelby has kind of had her own ministry, I think, that God has given her through this. And I appreciate that. She has. And um, she's she's married to a pastor now. She is very active in um, the church has always been active in the church, but she also, and we'll probably talk about this when we talk about the ministry, she launched a annual girls' conference in honor of her sister, and uh, we have it every year, and it brings in uh, just a, a ton of girls, and it's a, it's an event. It's called the Ignite Your Legacy Girls' Conference, and it's for girls from 6th through 12th grade. And we have just watched God bless that event, and that's Shelby's vision. She wanted to honor her sister, but she wanted all girls to be seen. And it's just a beautiful tribute, but also an amazing ministry opportunity to uh, pour love and purpose into the young hearts of other girls. Yeah, yeah. And girls today need that. They need a, a strong mentor that can walk them through. Uh, it's a difficult time to be growing up. I mean, it's always difficult to grow up, but it just feels like this is a very confusing world at this time. So I'm glad that Shelby's doing that. At our retreats, we often talk about how men and women grieve differently. Did you and your husband grieve differently? And how did you work through trying to grieve together? Yes, we we did and do grieve differently. And um, you know how you get all kinds of advice, and a lot of times it's from church people. And we had at the time, which is not always accurate information that is provided, but good intentions right, always. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we did have a pastor that approached us, and at the time, I just took it for fact, um, didn't know that the difference, but he approached us and he said, I just want you to know, Becky, 80% of marriages, uh, families that lose a child end in divorce. And of course, we know that's not an accurate percentage. That's right. But at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm grieving and David's grieving. And so I just recall going to David and saying, we're going to be the 20%. And we just made a, Mm -hmm. we just made a conscientious choice that um, we would make sure that our marriage didn't suffer from the suffering of the loss of our child. And what we did was really just easy. It wasn't something that, you know, is a scripted formula. Both of us just respected one another enough to give each other the grace and the boundaries we needed. When I was having a bad day, he gave me space when he was about having a bad day, I gave him space because it was never the same. You know this as grieving right. uh, parents. Mm-hmm. So we decided it was our faith walk was going to be a triangle. And as long as I was pointing upward to Jesus and he was pointing upward to Jesus, that would bring us closer. And so that it did. We began to just grow in our own individual faith. And tr- through that journey... We grew together as a couple. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I think that is such great advice. Um, in fact, that was something my husband and I talked about um, <laughs> while we were dating. We used that same triangle analogy of how if we're both growing closer to Jesus, then that brings us closer to each other. And I think that has served as well over the last 35 years of our marriage and even when we were grieving, um, when we were grieving as if it's over, we're still grieving. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, that that's as long as we're both looking to Jesus and moving closer to him, then we're moving closer to each other. So that's great, great advice. So we, you know, we began in that process, we began um, doing Bible studies together and just uh, focusing on yeah. him. You know, there's that scripture in, in John 3.30 that says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And we both increase the Lord in our life and in our conversations, in our home. And through that, our own pain was decreased, you know, because our eyes and our mm-hmm. hearts were focused on Him. And so there's so much power in that little scripture that if we, if we do keep our eyes and our focus and our hearts on the Lord, then our own sorrows are minimized. So it's not like, it's not like we're minimizing our grief, but we're maximizing our faith. And, um, uh, and that helps. That just, it's it's medicine to a grieving heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been a little over 10 years now since Schuyler went to heaven. Uh, but think back, if you can, to the very early days of your grief. Talk to that mom or dad who's listening, who may find themselves at the very beginning of their child loss journey. What advice would you have for them? Goodness, I would say... Um, there is no script to how you're supposed to grieve, and you're going mm-hmm. to be given a lot of advice, and you're going to have to have a little bit tougher skin on some of the things that you will hear. I call those words and statements sting statements, because when you're new to grieving, while you know that your child who knew Jesus is in heaven, when someone says, well, they're in a better place. While that is true, that doesn't help your heart at the time because you want to be where they are. Exactly. So I would say, um, you know, just guard your heart. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate that. And don't feel like you have to grieve a certain way. I like to tell moms especially, because I work with moms more than the dads. David works with the dads. But I like to tell the moms that be kind to yourself in a way that you're aware of your physical habits. You know, when you're grieving, your body manifests all kinds of things that you don't even realize it at the time. You know, you may go through a day and go, huh, have I drank any water? Or did I eat a meal today? And so don't ignore, you know, be conscientious about uh, your physical health. Be conscientious about your emotional health. Allow your heart and your emotions to feel. I don't find someone that says to someone else, well, you just got to be strong for, you know, whether it's strong for your Mm -hmm. husband or your wife or strong for your family. Even if it takes yourself out to go for a long walk or take a long bath or go for a drive, allow your emotions to be experienced because 
ultimately, if you suppress those emotions, they're going to come out in unhealthy ways. It's going to manifest, and it may come out in anger. It may come out in all kinds of negative emotions. But if you give yourself a window throughout each day, especially early on, when you can just have a good cry. And when I say cry, I just mean cry out to the Lord along with the tears that are flowing. So allow those experiences. Um, they, are, they really are gifts to your own healing And we're always healing. You know, we are not going to be healed until we're in the presence of the Lord and we're with our kids again. But in the process of the healing, allow yourself to experience those emotions and be kind to yourself. Um, There's nothing selfish about Mm -hmm. that. It's you're a better person to those around you when you are taking care of yourself. And I didn't do that well. And so I, I say these just words of advice, not as... I experienced it in the positive way. I experienced it in the negative way. And I think we learn a lot both directions. So there's just no script on how you're supposed to grieve. And if you need to be in your pajamas in the bed for a little while in a fetal position, that's okay too. Because here's the thing, Jesus isn't going to leave you there. He's going to get you up. But if you need Mm -hmm. to have a day or two like Mm -hmm. that, um, because we're not, we are, we are not just followers and believers in Jesus Christ. We are warriors for the kingdom. And Satan wants to paralyze us. He wants to paralyze us Mm -hmm. physically and emotionally and spiritually. And we can't not fight that. So while I say it's okay to stay in the bed in your pajamas for a day or, or go for these walks, know that you are still a warrior for the kingdom. And if we live like we believe God's word, we're going to fight and we're going to believe the the hope that awaits. And we're not going to allow Satan an opportunity to paralyze us because the death of a child yes. is, is probably the closest you could get to feeling like you're paralyzed. But through, through a relationship with Jesus Christ and um, the grace he gives us and the presence of him in our life, he won't let us lay there. And we got to do our part, just like I spoke of earlier, and put our faith into action and call out to Him and come to Him and seek His face and look to the Lord. I mean, we have to do our part. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's very good advice. Thank you for that. I'm sure over the past decade, you have heard your share of clumsy things spoken by well-meaning people in an attempt to provide comfort. What your pastor said to you, oh my goodness, about, you know, 80% of marriages fail. Number one, like you said, is inaccurate. Number two, how is that possibly encouraging? (laughs) But you know, people mean well, and sometimes they say things that are just like, why would you think you would need to say that to me? So how did you deal with people who may have said things that added to your pain? And what what were some of the most helpful things that people said or did? Well, how I dealt with people like that, um, it depended on where my headspace and my heart space was at at the time. Uh-huh. I can say that I didn't respond well some moments, <laughs> but when I, when I was calmer, um, I, I simply would just smile and, and walk away or listen. I, I wouldn't you know, dispute, because I don't think that's helpful mm-hmm. either. Um, and a lot of people do have good intentions. They, they're they just so awkward. 
you know, I say this. Yeah. You know, we're we're standing in a fire. And some of the people that want to help, that want to interact with us, they're not in the fire with us, but some of them can't even smell the smoke. Like they've never had any right. type of mm-hmm. tragedy. Um, or if it's somebody that doesn't have children, you know, there's no way they can have a, yeah. a relationship with us in the fire. So I have to extend grace, you know, and I, and I always whisper to the Lord to help me do that. So, but you're correct. A lot of people with, with uh, intentions do th- say things that they shouldn't, and a lot of them are church people. We, uh, we had another pastor at one time. He would come over, and he would bring his notepad because he was more interested in, in wanting to know what the Lord was teaching us through it instead of ministering to us. So those things are, are hurtful, um, but again, not intentional. And as far as uh, the things that just bless my heart, it was the family members and the friendships and even the strangers that listened to the nudging. They would send a text randomly, not knowing, you know, but I tell people if, if the Lord drops somebody in your spirit, on your in your thoughts, on your mind, reach out to them because there's a reason. You don't know what is happening on the other side. And the timing of those little encouraging text messages or somebody sending me a scripture or a, a little note that came in the mail because they, they took the time to write a little card manually, you know, and put it in the mailbox. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the friends that would come over and they just sat. They came over and they did my dishes, yeah. you know. They did my laundry. They brought food. Mm-hmm. It's just... And it was the ones that didn't just do it for the first 30 days after the tragedy. It was the ones that, you know, a year later, 18 months later, they still were there because it's not an yeah. easy walk yeah. to Those walk with Those are good friends. Those are good friends. It's not an easy walk to walk with someone who is grieving because they become a different person. I became a different person. Mm-hmm. And um, this the most helpful thing is just their presence in your life not necessarily giving any advice. They're just like, hey, let's go for a sonic drink. Let's go get a pedicure. Let, you know, they treat you yeah. normal. Yeah. But you know in your heart of hearts, they're there to make sure that you're doing okay. And uh, those people are God sent. Those are the ones that you just cling to and keep them in your life. And uh, they're just blessings. And mm-hmm. and I, you know, the I can't not talk about you know, my family, my sister, you know, my yeah. sister and my nieces moved in with us. Um, and her oh, wow. three, court, my three nieces were always very close with my two daughters. So it was my sister and the five girls, and they were all stair-step. And those three girls literally um, moved away from their school to come and live with us and started a brand new school. One of them was even a senior because they were just... You know, wanting, they were grieving with us, but we just, as a family unit, it's healing to help each other just by our presence in our in one another's lives. And I will I will say this about the card: I had one lady, and we are still friends today. That I didn't even realize I kept getting this card from this stranger for weeks and weeks, and then it became months and months, and probably five or six months into the journey. 
it just, I woke up thinking, you know, I don't know this person, but I feel like I've got a lot of cards. <laughs> and then I start looking and uh-huh. it's just, she sent me one, I think once a week. And then we finally, you know, connected wow. because I finally responded. But the thing is, her daughter yeah. had run into heaven a couple months before Skylar. So she was mm. re- walking the journey, too. And uh, just for her to. Wow. And she was in a neighboring community about an hour away. And uh, anyway, it's just one of those things that God has placed some really amazing people in my life, probably yours as well. And uh, those are just yes. treasures, treasures from heaven. Yeah, for sure. At the time that this podcast airs, it's going to be kind of getting into the late fall, which means we've got the big holidays coming up, Thanksgiving and Christmas and even New Year's after that. Have you found any special ways to honor and remember Skylar's life on those special holidays? Yeah, on the um, on the holidays, especially Christmas, Skylar loved the holidays. One thing, you were out of school, mm-hmm. and uh, so that fit her personality. And I remember <laughs> right. the, the first holiday, mm-hmm. instead of doing a traditional meal, and this was Shelby's idea, her sister, and so we decided as a family, we're just going to do the kind of foods that Skylar would like. And so we had the craziest Uh menu of deep fried, because she loved the state fair kind of foods. When you go and you find these weird deep fried Oreos and deep fried butter and all kinds (laughs) of stuff. And so we did that. We did this crazy, you know, buffet of all all food scholar. Oh, how fun. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then we, we also started for Christmas, scholar's favorite colors were hot pink and black. So we started having a hot pink and black Christmas tree, all the decorations and the wrapping mm-hmm. paper and all that. Now, as the as the years have gone by, we still do a hot pink and black dedicated tree. Uh, we still hang a stocking yes. uh-huh. for Skylar and, because, mm-hmm. you know, she is still part of our family. And she may not be here, but she's yeah. just behind. She's just behind the curtain. She's, uh, you know, again, she's not in our past. She's in our future. So we still honor her right even though she's not physically here now for her birthday Skylar was all all things fireworks and her birthday is july 6 two days after the fourth of july mm. so we don't necessarily yeah, celebrate sure. the fourth of july but we celebrate the sixth of july with a big fireworks show uh-huh. we've done it every every july since her uh running into heaven and uh, you know it's just a family thing we we start letting them off and we're playing loud music and we always play light up the sky and that's just our way to to honor her on her birthday and then on her heaven day um, you know that's a big day and that's a hard day yeah but um, I mentioned Shelby started this girls conference ignite your legacy girls conference and we do it the closest Saturday to her heaven day. So we do it every February because what we decided, you know, if we're going to really walk out our faith, we're going to shine light on our darkest day. And um, it's not always easy because yeah. sometimes it falls on the actual day, the 17th of February. But, you know, at the end of it, when that conference is over and you've seen these hearts accept Jesus for the first time, You've seen these young girls who have gone through abuse and they they've 
release that bondage to the Lord. You know, when you see the lives changed because of the legacy our daughter left, I just don't think there's any better way to honor her than to honor mm, God right. on that day. And so, um, yes. you know, we're, I guess my, to answer your question, we're intentional to try to keep our eyes focused upward and forward, even, even on the hard days and the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any better way to handle those days than that. Keeping your eyes set on Jesus on those days. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I think all of us who have lost a child have this very sharp dividing line in our lives and, you know, almost like a fault line. And, um, you know, just everything in, in our lives is divided by before and after. And you mentioned a minute ago that you became a different person after Skylar ran ahead. So talk about the before Becky and the after Becky. What have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about God? Well, I'm still learning. I, uh, I think yes. I, uh-huh. <laughs> I will always be a student. You know, this educator will now always be a student. Before, <laughs> right. before, the, before the tragedy, it, it is a bookmark. And before the, the tragedy, I was, my personality being lighthearted, animated, that's always the same. But the busyness, Becky, because as an educator, I didn't just chase after my own kids. And, you know, my husband, he, he would say the same thing, busy in corporate America and, and just busy doing the things that we do as young parents. In the school business, I was also very busy with extracurricular activities. So my calendars were just busy. They were just covered. And then the tragedy happens, and you reflect back and you go, huh, what is our priorities? And so mm, yeah. my faith walk was I had to, I didn't have to, but I chose pre-tragedy, Becky would always put my to-do list before my seeking and my searching and my um, mm. just my quiet time with the Lord. You know, it was many, many days I was too busy to get up and yeah. spend time with the Lord before my day started because I felt like I didn't have time to do that. Well, now that yeah. is the most important thing. My calendar yes. becomes calm. Even if it's a busy calendar, it becomes calm when I start my day with Him because when our focus is on Him 100% as the number one, so, so I always say this, rule number one, never make God number two. And he really uh-huh. wasn't That's number one. one. He, he really wasn't number one in my life. I went to church, you know, and we were active in church. Mm-hmm. But for my personal walk, he wasn't a priority to me. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but I'm a transparent person. And I would go from Sunday to Wednesday and have my Bible in my car because we were too busy. You know, that's what I thought. But sure. when your whole world flips upside down and your life script is now changed and your priorities change, your perspective changes and your purpose changes. And all of those things, I have to keep them in alignment with him in my relationship with him and being in his presence for all of those things to even be accomplished for that day. 
And it's an ongoing mm-hmm. seeking. It's an ongoing uh, just thirst and craving for his presence because we don't get rid of the heaviness of the loss of our child. You know, you can run into somebody in the grocery store you don't know, and you're having a casual conversation, and they're going to say, well, how many kids do you have? You know, we're always, as parents, talking about our kids. And so we need that comfort that surpasses all the peace that, and the comfort that surpasses all understanding, and we only get that through the presence of God. And uh, so he became priority yeah. number one after the, the tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It certainly does change you. Child loss changes you into a completely different person. And in many ways, um, at least in my experience, it has turned me into a better person than the one I was before. I wish I could have had that kind of growth any other way. Yeah. I tell <laughs> but, people, I wish um, they could. Grateful. I wish they could feel what I feel now for my Lord without taking the, the path I had to go to get there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because he is, yeah, it's just a sweet presence. And, uh, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a much better person. I, I, um, there's a, there's a statement and it's a human statement and now it's a spiritual statement. But if God gave me his power for one day, I would change it. You know, my mama heart would Mm -hmm. change it. Yeah. But if he gave me his wisdom for one day, I'd have to leave it the same. And I say that wow. because he has got me so fired up for him that I I spill it out. You know, there's no longer surface conversations. You know, it doesn't matter to me yes. what the latest sitcom is doing. I want to talk about Jesus. Right. And I'm honored exactly. when I have that opportunity to talk about him and when it's being received well. Um, and so the kingdom is expanded because of our tragedy. I know it has. I've, I've had the pleasure yeah. and honor of witnessing that. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a hard it's a hard reality to say that statement, you know, because the, my mm-hmm. mama heart says if he did give me his power, I would change it. But if he gave me his wisdom, I, I'd have to leave it the same. Yeah. Wow, that is a powerful statement. I'm going to have to think on that one a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So God has led you to start a ministry that's born out of your experience with grief. Talk about One Day Closer Ministries. Well, in the, the immediately after the tragedy, I uh, you know we don't sleep very well, obviously. But I would wake up in the mornings after maybe only getting a couple hours sleep, and I would just, before my feet hit the floor, I'd say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me one day closer. Because, again, it was it was living a life now that's very different, but choosing to live it with a forward focus. And so one day closer started as my mama prayer, selfishly bringing me closer to that reunion. That's what it was about then. But as God has begun to uh, stretch me in my faith and purpose, I realize that He's He's bringing all of us, which is why this we named the ministry One Day Closer Ministries. But He's bringing all of us one day closer yeah. to the person He wants us to be now, and um, mm-hmm. that those three words have just become our anthem as a family, because it's just like. Um, it's intentionally looking forward and believing his word about the hope that awaits. 
But when I'm given an opportunity to speak to different groups, I may be speaking to a cancer support group. Well, they're one day closer to conquering this illness here on earth, you know. So it's a powerful sure. three mm-hmm. little words that has burst the ministry. And one day closer is it's just an outreach. You know, I, I travel around and I speak and I and I share about Jesus and, and talk about, of course, our testimony. But really, it's it's encouraging others to understand he gave us such a gift when he gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And we just have to be intentional to yield to that leading of the Holy Spirit and listening. And I didn't do that pre-tragedy, mm-hmm. but it yeah. we partner with other ministries and uh, we serve in whatever capacity that will allow us to get the good news of the gospel into ears and to hearts. And that may be working with mm-hmm. schools in Guatemala or Haiti that may be partnering with other ministries during a, a tragedy, a local tragedy. And, and then again, we use the girls yeah. conference. Um, it's just another outreach to get into young hearts. So one day closer ministry is, is something our family started. I jumped into full-time ministry in 2014. So the, the tragedy happened in 2011. I left our current school in 2012. I went ahead and went to another school for a couple of years. And that was a good time of separating myself from a lot of the the relationships that were close, but also um, the reminders of my absence of Schuyler. And that was, you know, those students. Yeah. So I did go to a different mm-hmm. school for a couple of years, but it was almost like God, he was already using us as a family and we were already speaking to churches and youth groups and things. But it was almost like he was saying, you're giving me your leftovers. And so we took a leap of faith Mm. and launched the ministry. Mm -hmm. And I say it's God's ministry. And however we can be a voice for encouragement and hope, then that's the way we're going to do it, much like you do every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's we say that all the time, that while we're waiting is not our ministry at all. (laughs) It is God's ministry. He just lets us be a part of it. That's right. And he, God had planted in my heart early on, and I've just been disobedient, I guess, but uh, finishing up a, a One Day Closer book, so that sh- should be out in print in 2023. So uh, excited about that. It's been a, that's awesome. been a difficult journey. Yes. But uh, again, if, yeah. it, if it changes one heart, then it's worth all the time and tears of putting it on paper. <laughs> mm. Yes, of course. Absolutely. So how can people get connected with you if they'd like to learn more about the ministry or maybe even book you as a speaker for one of their events? Well, I, I have a couple of websites. My uh, speaker website is beckycarpenter.net. And then my ministry, and I say it's mine, it's not. Our, our ministry is onedayclosser.net. Right. And there's contact information on both of those sites. And is there information about that uh, Ignite Your Legacy Girls Conference on there also, or is that a separate? Yeah, on, well, we have a separate website for that, but we, we put the link on the onedaycloser.net website. So okay, uh, good. And we'll start good. promoting that in October for the February event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can people get connected with you on Facebook? Do you have a Facebook page? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to Becky Carpenter on Facebook, um, and there is One Day Closer Ministries has a Facebook page as well. 
So we're out there in social media land, even though I'm a little older. <laughs> right. I, I kind of I feel the same way. We're out there in social media too, but it's, it's, it's always a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to put all the links to your websites and your, your Facebook page and all that stuff in our show notes so people can find you if they want to look you up. One more question I always like to ask as we're closing out an interview. Has music been an important part of your grief journey? And if so, what is on your playlist right now? Yes, absolutely. From the time I got in the car and I told you I turned on the radio to go to uh the scene of the accident. Mm -hmm. But I think anything we can do to keep our hearts and our eyes pointing up to heaven. And for me, it is Christian music. You come into our home, there is Christian music playing softly in the background. Um, it's it's just mm-hmm. who we are, uh, every vehicle. If I'm walking in a grocery store, I'm going to have my earbuds and I'm listening to Christian music because we, we can't mm-hmm. give yeah. Satan an opportunity to be in our thoughts. And if we're pouring praise music into our thoughts and into our heart and our spirit, then there's no room for him. There's no room for the the darkness yes. and the thoughts and the, and the separation and the loss. It's more of the hope and the reunion and the promises in the presence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what Christian music does. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got, goodness, I've got hundreds of songs on my playlist, but it's interesting, a song <laughs> that a song that came out in 2010 that I loved, and I was playing it all the time, and that song was the song that I immediately remembered when I was driving back from the scene of our, our accident, and it's an older song, but it's called No Matter What by Carrie Job. And it says, no matter what, I'm going to mm-hmm. love you. No matter what, I'm going to praise you. Yes. And it really is a song yes. that has lyrics that says, you know what, is that true? You know, or are you believing me? Because no matter what. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, praise you in the storm. That's some of the old ones that I still have on my playlist. And yes, because when we're praising it's maxim. It's not minimizing our hurt, but it's maximizing our Jesus. Right. Um, and then I like quiet songs like "It Is Well," you know, by I think Bethel yes. Music sings that, and all the Carrie Job songs, just the ones that really touch your heart. Mm-hmm. And then I like I like a lot of the newer songs too. Um, one of them, uh, an artist by the name of Kim Walker Smith. She the name of the song is Stones. Um, and it talks about how the valley will never take my song. Uh, and it, so it's yeah. a little bit more up, oh, upbeat. Good. And then there's a song that's called Another in the Fire, which is very relatable because mm-hmm. it talks about, it goes back to the scripture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So there is yes. another person in mm-hmm. our fire, and his name is Jesus, and he yes. will never leave us or forsake us. And he's, he's reaching, and all we have to do is accept his hand. And I'm so thankful yes. um, mm. that he loves us enough mm-hmm. to reach. Yes. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for that. We've got some good suggestions for our playlists now. Um, and before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, I just want to thank you, Jill, and, and for the while, you're, while we're waiting ministry, because I have an opportunity to... Uh, help and uh, walk alongside other bereaved moms and I always uh, share with them your Facebook page just because 
Mm-hmm. We don't want to walk this thing alone. Yes, we have our Lord Jesus, but we also want to know that we're not crazy, you know, especially on the early right. years. Yes, and exactly. Uh, you know, when you're looking for your cell phone and you stuck it in the freezer and you realize, what in the world am I losing my mind? Yes. But oh, yeah. <laughs> there's so many of us that um, uh-huh. you, you kind of need to be able to vent some of your questions mm-hmm. to a safe place. And so your ministry, I would describe it as a safe place and a soft shoulder for people to land. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful for your ministry and I'm grateful for you and your husband's heart to serve in the midst of your own tragedy so I'm just thankful for for our uh, connection and relationship and looking forward to uh, seeing how it grows for the kingdom yeah yeah me too thank you for that and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's just been a real blessing to have the opportunity to sit here and talk with you about our girls. A lot of similarities, I feel like, in our stories, even though our particular losses are different. Um, there are still a lot of similarities. And and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the work that you're doing with your ministry and, and how Jesus is the focus of everything you do. So thank you for being willing to come um, and spend some time with me today. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.